I'm your host, Josh Allen, and welcome to episode 8 of Still Rolling. This one is definitely one of the more visual episodes. So straight up, if you have the opportunity, throw this on the CVP YouTube channel. You'll get to see some of Louis' incredible skills, and also my maiden voyage on an FPV drone. I tried to bully Louis into actually sending me one of these things to have a go at it, and then he talked me into actually just coming and hang out with him instead. Because, well, as you'll see, these things are incredibly hard to fly. And from the outset, Louis recommended to jump on a simulator to mitigate the damage of my first flight because he was so certain I was going to crash. Anyways, this is still the podcast that delivers everything and nothing in equal measures. You'll get a bit of film industry chat peppered in amongst anecdotes from seasoned professionals and some folks that are just finding their feet in the industry. Louis Houlier is our guest on this episode about FPV drones. We try to scratch the surface and discover what it's all about. I'm certainly excited about the potential, as I said, and I couldn't have hoped for a better guest to explain things. A lot of this is beyond me, but I do my best to understand what's going on. Here we go. Again, thanks very much for tuning in. We've got Louis. Right, <laughs> come on, Louis. What's your surname? Uh, Louis Houlier. <laughs> yeah. Every time I've tried to promote this this week, I've been like, Louis, who? Oh, I, man, it gets yeah. pronounced wrong so many times. It's throwing me every time. I'm sorry, I can only apologize. Don't worry about uh, it. No, get it all the time. You taking my budgie? I appreciate it. So we are live this week. Uh, we're back live. Last week was a pre-record with Jack Sparney because people are busy and we're really grateful for their time. But Louis is kind enough to give us his time this week. So we're actually live. Um, at certain points in time, you guys can ask questions about what we're talking about. We'll totally field them for you. Um, but for the most part, we're going to get into all things FPV. So FPV kind of, I think it found its way onto my radar. When was it? I think it was probably to do with when the racing drones and stuff came out. Um, and I was like, I was kind of taken with drones anyway. I mean, we'll get into my history with drones because I told you a little bit yesterday about my anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you had a lot. and filming and stuff um but moving on to fpvs when the racing drones start coming up i kind of became aware that things were moving a bit more dynamically it wasn't sort of the necessary cinematic shots um that i you know become synonymous with drone filming like i guess trying to take things from helicopters and that sort of style of filming mm-hmm. and and find a more condensed way of doing it might it be cheaper or there's stuff where you can't do with helicopters places you can't fly with helicopters suddenly drones started taking over and then i mean look fpv is i mean you're in a better place to tell me dude uh fpv is like exploded right in the last couple of years it definitely has yeah so i think fpv started around 2014 that was when it was kind of kicking off right. although beforehand there were certain electronics that could get you in the air 2014 was kind of like the start and then around 2017 2018 was when you started to see the explosion of fpv videos Namely because Johnny FPV, Johnny Shear, I don't know how you say his surname, uh, mainly because of his (laughs) and Mr. Steele's videos, they just went viral. They popped off. And so more and more people wanted to get into it. And because there's such a steep learning curve with FPV, you're seeing the explosion of videos right now because it takes a year, a few months to actually get good. Yeah, that's like, I guess, the most important element from my perspective. And certainly something that I'd love to bring to the audience of CVP is kind of understanding that this isn't a gimmick or a fad. It's like, it's not, I mean, you know, I don't want to shit on gimbals and drones when they first came out, but you know what I'm saying? Like the reality is, it's like, there's an element here where it's like, if your shot isn't motivating your story Mm -hmm. and what's it doing, you know, if you're just using a tool for the sake of using the tool, 
it's you know it becomes negated and obviously you know you can overdo it you do too many shots of the same thing and it mm. becomes overplayed but it's also the critical bit is it's not serving the purpose of telling the story mm-hmm. whereas when i first saw fpv i kind of didn't really i just thought you know i saw the racing drones i didn't quite get it and now i'm seeing these really incredibly cinematic images yeah i you know i use I, I coined the term cinematic images but you know something with some dynamic to it that's actually yeah you know, encouraging some element of, you know, not necessarily storytelling, but it's like bringing something else to the, it's to the very table. Creative. You know, and there's people like yourself, obviously, that are getting involved with FPV and taking it seriously because, like you said, it's a steep learning curve. It, you can't pick this thing up and just get the going with it. And finished. I guess this is the main thing that we're getting into is that Louis yesterday was very kind in letting me <laughs> have a go. <laughs> Yeah, with his, with his FPV drone because I've become fascinated with this sort of stuff, and I was keen to see. I was keen to show everyone. Like, right from a complete beginner, I've flown some Mavic twos, you know, DJI Mavic stuff, but I haven't flown anything like this FPV drone. So Louis was kind enough yesterday to uh, to let me have a go. I I did try and convince him to send me the drone <laughs> to start with, so I could have a play with it in like the comfort of my own home and location. So if I embarrassed myself too heavily, the cost wasn't too high, but Baloo was kind enough to go out with us yesterday. So, I mean, mm-hmm. first of all, how do I do? First of all, come on. You, you did yeah. good, man. I mean, I remember you saying that it was going to be hard. And I remember me saying that you were going to crash in the first 20 seconds, remember? Um, but you, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you'll see the clip. Everyone will see the clip in a sec. Like you actually did a full four minutes. Um, you know, obviously I had to do the landing, which was fine. Oh, I, I'm not sure if like time slowed down or sped up for me in that situation, but let's go through the learning curve as well. Cause ultimately there was part one of this is you said, right, jump on the simulator. Yeah. 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 So when we got there, I brought the simulator and I just made you get used to the muscle memory of the sticks. Cause obviously the sticks with FPV are completely different to normal drones. It's an entirely different dynamic in that there's four controls. You have throttle, you have pitch, yaw and roll. Whereas the Mavics, it's the same, but it's very stabilized, obviously, with the GPS, with the sensors and everything. So yeah, I guess the main thing that sort of struck me about that immediately, actually, we've got, we got the wonderful Jake back with us as well, because we're live this week. So he's in the background doing the tech stuff for us and looking out for us. Jake, if you wouldn't mind playing the simulator clip, then the audience will get a, an idea for what that actually looks like in the simulator world. So you can get an idea of what the training of this might look like. So as you can see here, this is what training world, training wheels look like in FPV world. You know, this was completely yeah. new to me. I've played some video games in my time, but there's a long time ago, you know, and I would say that was my immediate thought. Like, bear in mind, this is, this is Louis flying here. We didn't actually <laughs> screen record my one. No, it's very, yeah. very important and very, uh, very, very important to clear up that this is not me flying right now. This is Louis showing off inside the simulator so we can get a screen record and help you guys get a visual of what it's like, like an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> but as you can see, there's gates and things that you can maneuver in and out of um, and, uh, you know, help to understand the proximity. But this is the virtual world. You know, when I jumped on this, as Louis just said, the reality is these joysticks are not doing the same things that I'm anticipating them to do. So from, you know, from memory, left stick is acceleration control, or at least motor control. So you're increasing accelerator, yeah? That's is that it, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and at that point in time, the thing takes off 
and it just wants to run away at that point. So my experience from drones with GPS is that once it's in the air, you hit takeoff, it takes off, and then it kind of floats, it's hovering. Yeah. Whereas with me in this, as soon as you hit that, you're going, and it's it requires that lift to stay in the air. So you can't just turn it off as it will fall out of the air. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said, this is like a very, very kind rendition of a simulator or what it looks like. So it's yeah, it's a complicated piece of tech. But I mean, obviously, the pilots who want to get into FPV, they start the sim first and they spend a good minimum eight hours learning it, getting that muscle memory in the thumbs. Yeah. There's two types of ways to do FPV. There's the thumbs, which are like Xbox, PS4s, right. or you have the pinches, which use your index finger and the thumb. Uh, it's just entirely down to preference. I know some people do thumbs. I know some people do pinches. I am myself a thumb. Um, I just, as I said, like I do video games and everything. So it's just natural. Yeah, that's the thing. But I guess what you're saying here as well is that muscle memory. The thing about that, I, we'll have a look at my, I guess my maiden voyage, which is the Josh takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> and then I love it. There you go. So you can see the control in my hand there. And then this is me basically getting to grips with having the goggles on my face, which was one, you know, alien part of it. So you've got like the goggles on the face, which are completely obstructing your view. You can only see the analog signal, which we'll get to in a second. And then it's like, right, cool, we're in. And then it just takes... Oh. There we go. <laughs> it just goes straight for ages. Go straight. It just disappears. And then we'll go, Jacob, we'll go to Josh flight as well. We had to see what that looks like. So that's the yeah. analog view. There. So that's all I'm seeing in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And I'm controlling over this, over this interface. And this is doing me a lot of favors here, to be fair. This is pretty stable so far. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's your first flight. It's good. It's very good. 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 And then we'll move on to analog degradation as well. Because like this is actually a demonstration of what we're talking about in a second. But this is just a clip title for Jake so he can play it. So this is actually my flight continued. <laughs> now it shows really what's happening. Louis, talk us through what's happening here. So this is your first ever flight. Obviously, um, your balance is a bit all over the place. <laughs> but, you know, you've got it. I mean, you're not crashing, which is good. Whenever you go a bit too over extreme, you correct it somewhat. Um, as you can see, there's a bit of static that comes with the analog feed. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later about analog versus digital. But the critical bit is like, that is me. I'm trying my hardest to get that in the right place. And as something changes, I'm then putting an input on the controller, which is then dictating where it ends up. So I'm like strafing left and then I'm tipping up because I'm sort of like finding what's happening. Now, I like to think that, well, I don't even like to think, I know that at this point in time, there's a bit of instinct kicking in which is helping me through this situation, mm-hmm. like just yeah. keeping like enough to keep me in the air. And obviously you were kind enough to sort of, you know, whisper some guidance into my ear at this point and go up, ah, just keep it. Let's go higher. Don't, <laughs> Don't crash into these people. <laughs> <laughs> There's boats over here and some of that. Um, yeah. It's actually quite funny as well. Cause that leads us on to the story of yesterday as well. We thought we'd go to this complete isolated uh, yeah. location. <laughs> no. This, I realize we're getting through this quite quickly because we're, we're actually realizing there's a lot more to this this story quite quickly because I'm sure a lot of people are going to recognize this location quite quickly. And we did get ourselves into a spot of bother yesterday. Mm-hmm. So whilst this was absolutely my fault, I put hands up to this situation. In my mind, and in my eyes, <laughs> there's a situation where we've got drones in 
recreational world and we've got drones in professional world, right? So I was like, right, cool. Louis, where can we go and do this safely? We'll go to the most abandoned part of the country, which is, <laughs> as far as I knew, the UK's, I think it's the UK's only desert. Do you know that? I didn't know that. Is that true? Wikipedia says it's true. It must Damn. be. Damn. <laughs> I, I did geography. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'll go to somewhere. It's completely isolated. We've got plenty of room to run around. Um, I can make mistakes. Louis was kind of to remind me as well that in this situation, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to crash. Don't worry yeah. about crashing. Yeah. Even though I was pretty stressed out about it because I didn't want to crash his drones or wreck anything. <laughs> um, we actually find ourselves in Dungeness. And then uh, I would I just completed this flight. We'd so far lasted four minutes. Yeah. And then a lovely gentleman named Owen came and said hello to us, didn't he? Oh, lovely Owen. Lovely <laughs> Owen. <laughs> so for any of you thinking about going down to Dungeness to do some filming, you will require a permit, a risk assessment, yeah. and also uh, an authority to actually go and film at this location. Now, as far as I understood, those were absolutely things that we would require on a professional shoot, but this was us just going to have some fun. Just some fun. I was wrong. I hold my hands up. <laughs> I think this is probably the best place to start with this conversation because yeah, we actually yeah. were. Yeah, he was nice enough, but then obviously he said that if we weren't going to leave, the armed police would come. Oh, yeah. I forgot that a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that, yeah, that, that, that bit is important. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> we, were, we left. We were, and we we were polite. Them, we were absolutely respectful of the situation that we were in. And we understood very quickly that we weren't welcome, even though we assumed that being on essentially a beach in the middle of nowhere, we'd be okay. But that wasn't simply the case. Mm. But look, you got your maiden voyage, so. We got the maiden voyage. Yeah. So what we did then, we moved on to another location. Actually, I know we're darting a bit about it, but let's, let's go, let's, let's stick with this conversation for a second. Let's stick with the, um, the conversation about permissions. Because ultimately we did find a location which we were suitable to use. Mm -hmm. But if you're learning to use FPV, now we touched on the simulator, obviously. That's one way of, of utilizing, um, you know, the existing materials you have. And, and only, all you need is a laptop. So yeah. you've got your laptop, you've got your controller, and you can practice. But if you want to go to a location and actually uh, do this officially, what, you know, how do you even start with that? I mean, granted, of course, I'm sure when you first started, playing around with drones you weren't going to be licensed immediately what's no, the situation no. so, i mean the way when you first start droning you need to get yourself in a big open space with nothing around you maybe just a big field so if you crash you know where it is there's no objects to hit there's no uh, safety concerns that's probably the best bet in how to fly um and then obviously if you are looking to go as a straight path in a career you want to get your license in droning and you want to get a PFCO, you want to get insurance, liability, all these kind of stuff. What's all this? It sounds French to me. Sorry? What's all this stuff? What are we talking about? You know, we've got, you need your license. How yeah, do you, you need your license, you need your ops manual. So your ops manual is everything included, your regs, what, the, what your drone weighs, what kind of drone it is. So we're starting like, to get an understanding of what this actually means, aren't we? Like just yeah. how much is involved in this procedure. You know, we talk about this learning curve. It's not just about an understanding, you know, how much is involved simply flying this thing. Yeah. But ultimately, making sure you're legal and you're safe as well, mm. right? That's yeah, the one it's a big thing. commitment. It is. Yeah, we, we didn't like, disregard did... that yesterday in, in but, that, you know, we didn't disregard that yesterday. We didn't say, you know, we're going to go and just be obnoxious and just kind of fly this wherever we please. We made yeah. sure the coast was clear and we thought yeah. we'd done enough. And in my eyes, 
recreationally versus professionally that was enough but obviously it wasn't so I guess there's some diligence as well in terms of like where your big field is is there no fly zones is there sort of stuff there's some diligence we could have done beforehand right for sure yeah but I guess you know that's (laughs) that's certainly the message we're trying to communicate here to these kind of folks I mean Uh from your perspective with these locations was there any ultimately it was a few years ago now so what was that simply the way you didn't sort of yeah, it's a lot. A lot of it is, I mean, trial and error. But that's before you get your license. Whenever you get your license, because bearing in mind the license takes three days, that's no. that's how long it takes to get your drone license. Um, it's like it's the same as a as a car test. You have to do your theory, and then you right. do your practical. And after that, you know everything. You have your manual, and you can show your clients your license, your certificates, and everything. Three days doesn't sound like a lot of time. Like how prepared, like how, how tough is it? Um, well, bearing in mind, I did it three, three and a half years ago. Yeah. So I think it's changed a bit, but there is quite a lot of, like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of theory to know. Right. Um, just, you know, wind speed, places to fly, uh, airspace, all that kind of stuff. And then you have the practical, which is that... So in the actual drone license itself, you don't get taught any FPV. It's all, um, you know, the DJI, Mavic, Phantoms, Inspires, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after you get your license, you, you realize that FPV is included in your license, but you don't get taught it, at least from my perspective anyway. I don't know. Nowadays, though, they may get taught FPV. I'm not too yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess it'd be good to know for anyone going to the license now if that's changed, because that feels like a pretty fundamental point, because... For me, obviously, the FPV, FPV drone was, well, not only a little bit harder, it was 100% harder. Mm. And oh, yeah. the risk is increased 100% as well. You know, the Mavic, you know, will ultimately fly itself if you're careful with it. You know, it just, it takes off by itself. GPS keeps it in the same sort of place. Uh-huh. We actually did take my Mavic out yesterday as well. So we'll do some comparisons with that in a bit as well to show sort of like the different style choices. But Certainly from my perspective, it was like, right, Mavic goes up, flies itself, and then you're just kind of controlling. It's very easy. Yeah, and from my perspective, I, you know, from my perspective, I very much enjoyed that because I'm able to control the shot. You know, yeah. I'm looking for a very linear way of controlling my shot. I'm really thinking about the smoothest way I can control the camera uh-huh. rather than I'm thinking about flying a drone. And obviously there's like, you know, there are absolutely experts within this world. I've got some incredible friends that do like one, you know, amazing things with dual operators with crazy setups, you know, big payload setups and stuff like that, where they've got two controllers. So one yeah. person's physically in charge of flying the actual, uh, you know, device drone, whatever you call it. And then someone who's obviously then physically just controlling the camera. And that's definitely going to be the best scenario. Uh-huh. But that's what's striking me about this FPV stuff is like, it seems to me that now we're in a position where ultimately you, you can do both. And you're not having to communicate between two people. And like ultimately, the, the better shot you're going to get is how well those two people can communicate. Mm-hmm. You're able yeah. to take control of the drone and the shot as well. Yeah. So with DJI, obviously, you're controlling the drone that's very automated, but you're controlling the camera at the same time, right? Whereas with FPV, you have to control the drone manually the whole time, but the camera is fixed. You can't change any of the settings. Right, this full-on control of how the drone moves, whereas with the DJI, it's half and half. All right, so I guess it's a good place to start. Where are we, you know, those major differences are. Um, so camera, obviously, 
this is the requirement of this tool. That's the you know, the point of the tool is is to film, right? So what yeah. are you rolling on the top of your? So have you got one of your drones there? I should have told you prepared. Yeah, no, I see. You know what? I have. Ah, uh, look at this guy. He's there. We go. There you go. So that's the drone. That's one of the ones uh, that in your fleet. I think you've got like five of them. He was kind enough to seven. Seven. He was kind enough to let me fly one of the ones that what didn't mean as much to him. <laughs> I don't. I don't like it. <laughs> but let's have a look at that drone again. So, what camera are you rolling on there? So this is the GoPro Hero Six. Yep. Um, the ones that all my fleet hold are the Hero Six and the Hero Eight. Right. GoPros. Why six? Why eight? Uh, so they can run the seven or the five, any of the GoPros. But the reason that the six and the eight work, and most people use them, is because of the software stabilization called Real Steady. Right. So the way that the videos look, how they look, is via the software that make it look as stable as possible. It's it's incredible how like stable the footage comes out through the software and the sixes and the eights are only the ones that are capable of using the software for those of that uh for those of the audience that didn't see some of the promo we put out in the last few days we'll roll on some of louis clips actually jake oh. <laughs> find it's all right we'll just show you the one we yesterday because we went to the second location as well oh yeah we'll just show that because it is let me just double check which clip name it is we we'll go FPV style shot is the clip name, please, Jake. Um, but this is a shot from yesterday when we got moved on. What was it, sorry? Which one? FPV style shot is the clip name. There, yeah, you, go. there you go. So this is actually Louis in all his glory yesterday. Just a practice day. This is the second location we found ourselves in where we were actually okay to be in. And this is the kind of thing that we're talking about. Yeah. So... Obviously, there's a number of things we'll talk about within this shot, but initially the stabilization. So you're telling me that not only you know, this isn't coming out of the camera like this. The camera is not coming out. No, no, it's not. There is some slight wobbles. There is very sharp edges in the turning. So when I turn in this video, it's a lot sharper than it looks. Right now, it looks very smooth, like dreamy kind of style. You know, it's... I mean, it's, it's incredible. Straight away. No sharp edges. Sorry? Sorry, straight away I was blown away by this. Like you're saying about that dreamy sort of floatiness to it. It's like yeah, so it's a smooth, floaty kind of feel. And that's what the software brings out. Whereas when you're flying and when the GoPro records it and you put it in the computer, it's very sharp. It's very fast. It's, it's not as floaty or dreamy, but the software brings it into it and it takes out all the sharp edges, all the, sh all the sharp turns and everything. And it just makes it look like that. Gotcha. Before our audience uh, get motion sickness, <laughs> let's put them onto the side by side as well. So you'll get to see the analog picture in picture here. Yeah. So you'll uh, see in the analog, you'll see some sharp edges when I turn. Let's go for side by side. Uh, there we go. Exactly. So I'm marginally covering that up at the moment. But you can see in the bottom right, oh, it's going to move as far as there we go. Look at that. So you can see there the difference in the analog feed, right? So this That's is the it. camera that you're piloting through because obviously uh -huh. you're not getting, a, you're not getting a, a, a streamed view of the GoPro. You're getting an FPV view That's from the it. camera and the drone, right? Yeah. So the little so the little camera inside here by the drone underneath the GoPro is what transmits the signal from this antenna to the goggles, and that's how you that's how you view what the drone sees. This is incredibly technical. I realise now how much is simply going on in this tiny drone it's that has enabled you to give you know get what's going on here 
and so again, like, it's so just to give a bit of a rundown. Yeah. The angle of the drone camera is parallel to the GoPro. So basically, how you see is what the GoPro will see. Yeah. Whereas these are people fly, and their camera angle is thirty degrees, but their GoPro is twenty degrees, and obviously they think the GoPro is viewing what they view, but it's not. Yeah. So. And obviously that's dictated by the speed as well, right? Exactly. So you're, yeah, you're going faster or slower, and that that changes on the pitch because obviously the thing's taking that's off and it. moving forward, right? Yeah. So races will have it super, if you can see that super high. Yeah. Or some people will prefer more of a slow cinematic look and they'll bring it down, the FPV camera down. So it'll just be a, a lower pitch. And, and this slow. does get us nicely onto... Um, so now we've got that picture in picture now. We can see the analog feed coming through there. So straight up, question time. Analog versus digital. Why are we not getting a digital feed there? We've been in digital world for, I don't even know, 20, 30 years now. Man, this this conversation could last four hours. <laughs> Well, let's try <laughs> make okay. it simple for me. Come on, break it down for me. Okay, so digital is super new, very new, whereas analog has been in the world for decades and the FPV world has known analog its whole life. Okay. Um, the reason that I'm running analog right now is because when I first started FPV, digital uh -huh. wasn't out. I started in mid-2018. Yeah. And digital FPV started middle 2019, end of 2019. So it's very new and it's, ah, oh man, there's so many things. Hey, let's, to talk start about. With the, let's start with the conversation we had yesterday then. So the main, main thing that struck me is the most obvious point was the latency. So it's the latency is like the, sorry, the, and the, the linear degradation. Lin linear decay. Right. Yeah. So it's, uh, you kind of have to think that analog is, is a frequency, right? You have to think of analog as a rubber band. And right. analog is a five in FPV, we use 5.8 frequency, right? And you got to think of it as a rubber band, and 5.8 being unstretched band, 2.4 is another frequency, and that's mid stretch. I love the way you've gone super technical with me here. I was oh, like, break okay. it down for me. It was simple, super easy, mate. The decay bit, when you said it to me yesterday, made perfect sense because it's very simple. The further this thing gets away from you, yeah, 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 there's linear degradation, yeah, okay. So with analog. There is linear deg degradation right. with static when you're going to lose signal. Whereas with digital, it's fully abrupt. So um, we're seeing the picture start to break up the further it gets away. We get a little yeah. few moments of that where the picture starts to break up as well, right? Uh -huh. So you're telling me that in digital world, when that starts to go, you don't get the on and off. It just goes. It just goes, exactly. Yeah. Right. So obviously, if you're trying to navigate a tight space or trying to navigate really anywhere, that's what we're trying. Again, point proven here. It's incredible how close you can get to these objects. Uh -huh. With it's... this amount of control, it's incredible. But if you didn't have that ability or you were concerned that the you know, picture is going to drop out, you can, you, there's no way you can have faith in that, right? No. There is a, it's a big talking point with digital versus analog. And there's sort of a reason why the top tier professionals and the pilots aren't using digital right now. Interesting. Because of the latency and right. just how new it is and they're not 100% trusted with it. Whereas analog is tried and true with how reliable it is. I realized my latency question there was a bit premature because the latency actually refers to how quickly the image is refreshing, right? That's it. Yeah. 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 So if it's behind and you're going to run into something, you'd have run into it by the time your image gets to you, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's it. That's, <laughs> with, that's analog. I mean, it's super fast. It's instant. Whereas 
there are times with digital that it's uh, it delays. And obviously with a right. delay in FPV, you can't have that because it's instant, it's real time. You're going 60, 80 miles an hour. Yeah. Jake, we'll save the uh, audience from the motion sickness as well. So we'll go back to us guys. <laughs> it's a very it's a very prevalent part of the conversation because in my mind i didn't even, i wasn't even aware of of that part of the conversation that degradation that means your image gets lost um over a period of time of course so, yeah so like i mean there's a reason that all comms worldwide use analog they use an analog domain and that's because of the distance and reliability. Like digital is nice, it's clear, it's beautiful, but it will never outperform analog. I mean, it's too easy to break down. They're like, digital requires a two- We're main... talking about reliability now, right? I'm talking about reliability, yeah, and distance. Um, digital requires a two-way comms. It needs a start point and an end point. That's why it like it's a fully abrupt end. Whereas with analog, it's just a slow degradation. And there's a chance for you, if it does degrade, for you to come back because you know where you are, so you just turn around and you come back home. Yeah, absolutely. And as I saw in the goggles yesterday, it's like, right, start to look like a VHS videotape disappearing from my eye. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it started to go dark. And I was like, oh, I'm probably a bit too far away now. Yeah. I mean, I, as you know, the image is a bit, you know, it's a bit bad. It looks 1950s television. And you can't see everything in all its glory, which you can do with digital. You can see branches. You can see rocks, singular rock. It's amazing. Yeah. I was about to say that presents another challenge, especially if you're navigating, you know, tight spots and that sort of thing. Oh, exactly. You know, tree branches and or whatever yeah. else. In the way. Yeah, which sort of leads to the point with with it's very circumstantial with what system you want to use. Mm-hmm. One is looking to go really long range, f- ten miles out, five miles out. Then ten miles. Analog. Ten miles. Yeah. What? That doesn't. It honestly seems ridiculous to me that anything like you could use any tool. Are there any applications of that or is that just theoretical? No, there are definitely applications for that. Right. I mean, not necessarily an FPV drone, but you could definitely use an FPV wing. That would go that far. You just and now we're talking about like secret service type stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm so like fully wing scale type aircraft. They're like, they're made of this special material. And they look like a, a plane, like right. a glider, and they can go that far. Interesting. So, I mean, I feel like there's got to be some questions about those different things coming up, but I think we'll allow the audience to pitch in with that rather than me try, try to think about too much. Uh, you know, what are these things, what is your base setup? Because, you know, when you first got into this, I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm sure you were thinking, right, I'm probably going to crash this the first time I fly it. So you weren't necessarily looking to make the biggest investment. But, oh you know, yeah. What's, what's the first setup cost? How do you get into this? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's really dependent. You'd, you'd have to research a lot if you wanted to go on the analog route or the digital route. Right. Um, so my- let's say I want like right now, technology available now, not when you started. Mm-hmm. What am I doing? Where am I going? Am I going to go? You know, is that- Simu- simulator first and controller. Those are the two things <laughs> off the bat. Right. So simulator to get ourselves to a point where we're actually... Yeah. So because you know this is a big hobby that you're investing into, if you just buy a simulated controller, that's what only 140 pounds. That's it. Because the simulator no, no, is 20- it's no small amount of money at the end of the day, you know, it's essentially, you know, an advanced computer game at that stage, isn't it? 
That's true. Yeah, but it's not like a full-on set. Which, if you were to buy a thousand pounds worth of the whole kit, and you end up being like, okay, this isn't for me anymore. That's a lot of money that you've maybe wasted. This is what I'm getting into. Is like ultimately, what do those sort of steps look like? You know, in camera world, you can go and get sort of a you know a digital SLR that can do video and some lenses comparatively cheap. But then it's all scalable. You know, you can get very, very carried away very, very quickly. Oh yeah. So I guess in this world, that's kind of where I'm at. It's like you know, what's, you know, in this day and age, are we going with a, you know, be, once we've done our simulator, we're happy that we're going to make our investment. Is it, is the DJI do like a package that's like a take-home thing or do you recommend something else? What sort of prices are we looking at for, for a startup pack? For a startup, it's, it's definitely dependent on the system you go for again. I mean, it's, analog is surprisingly somewhat more expensive than okay. digital if you were to get everything premium. Right. everything and i would strongly recommend that if you were to go into the fpv world in analog try and buy the highest level of what you can afford yeah but because you ultimately get the best parts with the best reliability and you'll also get the whole community behind you because they know they've bought it as well and right. you, okay. you so will run into problems fpv already right sorry there's a strong community of FPV already, right? Mega strong. And that's another talking point of digital versus analog because there's not many in digital so far. So if you have a problem, there's not many people you can talk to about. Whereas with analog, it's it's a million. You can go on Facebook. There's tons of Facebook groups about these problems with analog. And you'll have an answer, a resolution in minutes. Well, that's good to know that there's like, a, you know, a little <laughs> somewhat support group, uh, you know, when you're getting into this. Because I know that was definitely... Like I said, man, when I saw this to start with, I was blown away by the quality of the footage, first and foremost. In my head, it was like, right, GoPros, nothing wrong with them. But when I'm looking at somewhat of a, you know, a situation where I'm going to incorporate this in a cinematic world, maybe in a film I'm working on or anything really, whether it be commercial or otherwise, that's going to be a sticking point. You know, they're great cameras, but they're not necessarily, you know, giving me something that I can grade particularly easily um they're not going to give me something yeah i'm trying to think of the things you know so yeah gopros are definitely a uh i would say a limitation with fpv just because it's a gopro it's an action camera that's what it's russo yeah and the sensor is what uh an inch not even that yeah it's teeny like you can't change lenses you know you're not controlling the f-stop manual control i mean what manual control do you even have on them these days you have shutter white balance ISO, and that's it. Unless you can set those so they're not going to be changing on you. That's something. I guess that's probably the jump when I started seeing this FPV stuff taking hold, mm-hmm. you know, taking hold on things. So I was like, hold on a minute. I'm waiting for the exposure to dramatically change as it you know, yeah. looks highlight and it comes back down to something. You know, you mentioned Johnny FPV so, earlier. You're definitely seeing the, the rise in people not using GoPros. Right. So, this I'm I'm just gonna say this year and next year there's gonna be more frames and more brands building a frame that require a cinema camera like a GH5, Black Magic, or a Red. Interesting. So like, what what's our weight capacity at the moment, and like, what's the things that are holding it back? Uh, is it battery just, life is it what you know? There's many things. The the whole weight of the frame itself, the the size of the frame, the batteries as well. Because right now these are five inch frames. The arms are five inch and the props are five inch. And this will no way in hell carry a cinema camera. It's just too small. The motors will burn out in an instant. 
but you're telling me that this is theoretically possible or it's actually happening like the next step in this evolution the it's ha- like there are frames available right now to buy which can carry cinema cameras but there's very few yeah, because one of the things I saw, I mean, we had a minor conversation about this when I was out in the States at the end of last year. I was like, that's an FPV drone because it was yeah. flying completely differently. It wasn't holding its position in the air. Yeah. It was like diving. That's it. And then I realized I was lucky enough to meet this gentleman, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I just saw a cinema camera flying through the air. <laughs> and uh, not only was that pretty concerning, but like also quite exciting. I was like, hold on a minute. The you know potential shot implications of flying a cinema camera where I can control the lens mm-hmm. and you know, you know we've got lens control we've got camera control That's and it. we've got good codec behind it we've got raw or whatever I'm like That's where it. does this end and, I'm, and I later found out I think it was a monstro or I was, was it was that correct it was a monstro they I had think, yeah it was a monstro yeah, yeah it was which is insane like that's not it's not a heavy it's camera crazy. it's not GoPro <laughs> you know no and it's like it's... it's flying dynamically through the air I mean, not, yeah. it sounded pretty dangerous if I'm honest with you. <laughs> I was like, I, I tell funny. you, like Johnny, I'm very, I give credit to Johnny for flying that because the amount of stress flying that amount of money worth on a drone, an FPV drone is crazy. Well, that's quite funny because I saw you crash <laughs> very, very yeah. small. On yeah, I mean, come on, it's a GoPro on a five inch frame. It's but not that's like, funny thing, of course, but that's like, I see you pick up your GoPro, like, oh, the screen smashed. <laughs> and it's like it just didn't care it's like it's happened so many times the first time it was probably stressful but beyond that it's like whereas if you send a cinema camera into the ground it's done it's done <laughs> yeah. I mean it's just because GoPros they're they're A cheap and they're B tiny and obviously the smaller the FPV drone the more dynamic shots you can get what about this new camera from Red Komodo Come on, um, I have thought about it, but I mean, it's not on the public sale right now, is it? Um, from what I understand, Mr. Jared Land, who is the uh, CEO, owner of the company, is very specifically putting out a handful okay. of, of the first units. I think they're just getting back into production, obviously, after what you know the current situation has been going on. Uh-huh. And then I believe they're on general sale. They do a stormtrooper version, which is like the the next stage of production, and then till they do general release. So I believe that that point is probably July, August time. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth though. Yeah, August, maybe September. I don't know. I don't know how readily available they are. I think you I, can put your money down now, and you can email them directly and get one. Okay. But I don't know. I don't know lead times and stuff. So it's obviously brand new technology, but the camera weighs like a kilogram. We figured okay. out right. Well, I mean, I am definitely interested, but I would just need to find a frame that would suit it optimally. Because there's tons of frames out here in the five inch world that are made really badly and the frame flies like that. It's really juttery. It's not smooth. The frame needs to be precise and it needs to have a lot of work into it before you put a camera on it. I want it to be anyway. Yeah, so we're talking about like, I guess, not that there are many drawbacks of an ecosystem which is ultimately driven by, you know, hobbyists and then people that become professionals over a period of time. But I guess that's part of it, isn't it? It's like you've got to then develop the technology yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah, for sure. There's, a, yeah. there's I mean, so the, the guy in France who I was telling you about yesterday who makes these frames by himself, 
that's that frame right there he's working on right now which is called an x-class those are the frames that are what 12 inch 15 inch which are capable of carrying a cinema camera so like a proper cinema camera like you know like what we're talking about here like what sort of payload like five Uh, we're talking about from 1.5 kilograms to 2.53 kilograms okay so with a lens i'm not sure off the top of my head what that is but that's the reasonable amount of weight yeah yeah it's with big motors so it'll be fine. We're still talking it. about sort of not say huge cameras, but we're still talking about sort of digital SLR sort of styles. Yeah, yeah. use like Black Magics, GH5s, that kind of stuff. Lens control, that sort of stuff. Is that is that happening yet? Obviously, oh, I guess it's still it's still manual. Interesting, but I, of yeah. course, drones and like the different you can you can fly like an Alta with an Alta Eight or something with like a decent payload on it, and you can put you know uh, motors and things for lens control iris control uh yeah actually you know i think you could you could do that i guess yeah. that'd be my main issue it's like if you're going to get shallower depth of field and obviously control over that situation short uh-huh. of setting it to infinity and sort of sending it i guess that's the kind of question isn't it yeah yeah that is a, just just, it would, it would, you'd have to keep uh testing it because obviously with each module becomes more weight of course, and that's battery as well, power, right? Because you've got that's to power the modules, right? That's more battery power, it's more weight, and it's more torque on the, not torque, it's more pressure on the motors. So you'd have to test them. And then obviously with more pressure on the motors, you'd have to test about the smoothness because with more stress on the motors, it's not going to be as smooth. It's going to have to keep working harder. So you've basically got to be an engineer as well in this yeah. regard. Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> it's it, There's a lot of work. There's a lot of testing that goes into frames. And, and as a a few companies out there who don't get enough credit with how much work goes into a frame to make it as good as possible. Huh. Yeah. Interesting as well. That, that So we, we talked about a bit about the tuning of that element as well. So like I'm <laughs> understanding that you've, once you've got the new weight limit, you know, say we've theorized, you know, theoretically we've got a heavier camera with more modules and more power, then you've got to tune it as well. What's actually involved in that process? I, I have yeah. no so uh, tuning is a very complex process with uh, drones. It's, it's kind of a bit like code um, where you have three settings. There's you have P, you have I, you have D. Um, and they're all in, they're all like they're done in them. They merge themselves in one and you have to tune each one in particular. Yet they still work alongside each other in the drone. It's what very complex. I don't still get it myself. This is with the aim of stability, yeah? That's it. Aim of stability in how agile, how smooth, how far, not how fast, because that's dependent on the camera. But the whole of the PID tuning process is really dependent on how well it flies. What I'm also hearing now is an argument for me to buy something that's way simpler. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you can buy frames and drones that are ready to fly, right. which have been tuned by the company, but they don't, they don't feel right when you fly. So limitations wise, I mean, to be fair, I didn't, I say it's not a fair comparison, but I did try putting my Mavic 2 Pro into a FPV mode and watch it sort of start oh, yeah? stuff like that. And I was like, oh yeah, well, no, it's just. Didn't work. Well. I, I haven't seen that. It's not the same. Not the same. Not the same. <laughs> when, when we're considering the fact that yours can do like the proper pitches and send it down, it's just, it's just nowhere near the same. That's why I started thinking, yeah. okay, is there sort of like a next step up? But I'm understanding now, again, 
to respect the learning curve of this craft. It's that yeah, is, it's a big learning curve. Yeah, if you're going to get into it, certainly take it seriously. <laughs> so the the other thing that people don't really get or they underestimate with FPV is the batteries. Obviously, batteries they only last three four minutes, whereas three, now it's a half right, an so hour, you're right? going to get very far away from yourself in four, three or four minutes, right? But that's you know it depends on the size of the battery and the weight of the frame. It's still another complex issue, but if you were to just freestyle around a block, you'd use, you know, you'd get three, four minutes easy. But if you're going to go uh, super long range, you'd have to think about how long it takes to get to the place you want to go and how long it takes to get back. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's got to be trial and error, right? There's like, there's no easy thing. Cause obviously there's stuff like wind you've got to take into consideration as well. Exactly. That's going to drain the batteries harder. Yeah. Coldness. Like whenever you saw the video I shot in the French Alps, I don't know if you saw that, but, yeah, those, those, definitely go and, <laughs> go and check yeah. out because <laughs> he's got some amazing stuff in there. Um, those batteries, I had to actually, I had to buy a heat warmer the uh, the day after I did one shoot because the batteries only lasted a minute and a half, two minutes. They lost fifty percent of their battery life because they're old. And what are these sort of these are what lithium lithium polymer lithium, lithium polymer gotcha. yeah lithium polymer. And they're very volatile. They uh, there's a few stories of yeah. The these are the scary ones. ones that you can't take on planes, right? You you can take them on planes. You can. But you can <laughs> take just max twenty, maximum twenty. Of them. That seems like a lot to be fair. But now, obviously, this this all again, all this technology has moved on so much in the last couple of years, right? It has, all of the battery technology has been more refined. But Damn, I was yeah. a little bit scared as well flying yours yesterday when you're like, oh, if it lasts three or four minutes, and then. Uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, like, they honest rate, Matt. When they fly below a certain threshold, the battery will then start to degrade in health and it could die. And then, worse comes to worst, it could go up in flames. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, there's just another element of this which um definitely required to take it very seriously. <laughs> it's, you know, it's crazy. So, I had a um, like a not a racing match, but we had a little freestyle uh, event a few weeks ago before lockdown. And we were going through poles, through buildings, and a lot of us had our batteries go up in flames because we were hitting the concrete so hard with the drone. The battery will then hit as well. And because of the compression with the battery, they're quite, they're very flexible. The cells would mush and it would go up in flames. Okay, what? What? That sounds terrifying. But yeah. At the beginning of this, I was like, right, cool, where are we going? I want to get to, I wanted to get to know FPV. What, how do I get started and where do I end up? And now I'm like, there's combustible batteries involved that yeah it's mad <laughs> i've heard about people talking about this sort of stuff but i've never actually like really heard about it like someone's mm -hmm. like oh yeah i you know didn't discharge that battery or something and whatever happens yeah, yeah it's but now it's like oh, i'm hearing this totally does happen when you send it like it really it smells so bad as well when they go up in flames there's something What's the safety really... procedure here i've seen i've to be fair years and years ago when i was like one of the first I briefly enlightened you on a story yesterday, actually. We had a few horror stories. There was, you know, I hinted at this level of anxiety at the beginning of the show today. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why I definitely sidestepped drones for a very long period of time. And my <laughs> comfort zone looks like a DJI Mavic Pro 2 because there's a very real reason for that. When we first started filming with drones five, six, seven years ago, I was late to the party already. Uh -huh. It was on like my first commercial first proper tv commercial i was like yeah i'm so excited i've got this great guy with us i won't mention his name because some of this stuff is embarrassing i know he's past it now <laughs> but um 
he had obviously got this homemade drone, which is great, fantastic. Homemade probably is doing it a disservice. <laughs> but one of the things he's talking about was like, right, okay, we've got these batteries and also has like a, a holder for them. Do you have like, is there a special, like a case bit or some like parameter that you have that's like... No, I just put it in a metal bucket and that's it. <laughs> metal bucket. Yeah, so he had, he had like a, I don't know what it was, like a shielded bag or something, like okay. just in case it did go up. So you should get hold of some of those, but I will. I don't, I'm not sure I want to go into that story anymore now. <laughs> Bring <laughs> it back. Things. Yeah, back so DJI Mavic batteries, they're so safe, right? They, they, they automatically discharge. They, they never really care. Although they are lithium and polymer. They're very, the thing is that with the drones on the Mavics, they're very slow and they get used very efficiently. Right. Which obviously. This is an important is point, actually. This is a very important point. How fast is your drone? Because like, I know, oh. I roughly understand that mine's about 50 miles an hour or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so uh, mine would go around 60. Cruising speed would be around 35, 45 miles an hour. But if I were to go 60, 70, 80. 80 miles an hour? Yeah. Sounds dangerous. So the, I think the max world record was, I think, 140 miles an hour, 150 miles an hour. I can hear all the like risk assessors and healthy health and safety <laughs> advisors just going like, what? Like, yeah. All that stuff. Like, again, going back to Johnny FPV in the States, I've seen him flying within inches of cars mm -hmm. at this sort of speed, which I'm now starting to believe. I was like, there's no way that he's flying as fast as that race car. Like, there's no way. I know, right? It's crazy. But now, it's, now I'm actually starting to comprehend that that's a thing that's totally achievable. But like, I he, think... It he, you can definitely do it, but you'd have to uh, you'd have to really assess how to do it because obviously the battery would burn up incredibly quickly. You'd only get what a minute to a minute and a half of flight, and then okay. So if you're flanking it, the batteries also get used faster as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm starting. To, I'm starting to paint a reasonable picture for what's going on in my head. So here. actually, if you were to see your maiden flight again, you'd yeah. see in the bottom left there'd be a, a little text saying 200 it'll go up like by second and that's your battery amperage okay i was freaking out every time i saw that because it said like low battery oh yeah that's just a stupid warning i love that it's just a stupid warning and i <laughs> didn't tell me that before we took off did you? my bad <laughs> <laughs> so i we kind of hinted at the you know the future of this technology mm -hmm. but what I'm hearing is that there's still a strong analog debate. You know, there's a reason why we're sticking with this. And I mean, yourself, you're not, you've not jumped ship to digital yet. I've so not like, jumped is ship. That, is that, is it a conversation to be had? You know, is it something that is, does it stick with analog for, certainly for monitoring purposes? And then... Yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's such a big topic, man, because everyone either wants to save money or they want to jump ship and get the newest product or they just want to get the best experience possible without sacrificing the wallet. It's, there's so many different points. Um, I guess that, that is a point though, right there, you know, is if analog world, like I think the biggest take home from me yesterday was I didn't actually realize how much I would enjoy it. I was yeah, like, yeah. this is a blast. Like it was mm. stressful, but it was a lot of fun. I can't, I can't even think of what it would be really comparable to, but because it's so immersive, mm -hmm. um, you know, the only experience I'd had with like uh, that kind of experience with like 
physically goggles in your face mm-hmm. um, would have been like a driving simulator. I've got a few friends that sort of oh, run okay. different sims and stuff. Yeah. And I, it becomes so immersive that it's very, it's just a strange kind of way it takes over your brain. And it was it's, a very unique yeah. experience for me. It's, it's like a simulation, isn't it? It's, you're in a different world when you put the goggles on, at least for me anyway. Whenever I put the goggles on, it's like a, it's like a flow state for me. I'm just uh-huh. in, in a different world now. And I do my thing with the sticks. It's just a real, shame. Yeah, I think that, that, again, that's what struck out to me. is like, there's like a, a point in time where it does take over. And, but there's real world ramifications. It's a simulation, but that's flying a real thing. You're very, thing, yeah. very aware that this is flying through the air. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. obviously, like the cost I had in mind was the fact that it was your drone. It doesn't matter how many times you tell me beforehand. This is like, I don't care about this one. You're yeah, going to crash. That. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I get that. It was like, right. I know I, I'm, I'm allowed to crash. I'm not going to. I'm going to do my best to not crash. And I was really happy that I didn't. But you, there's no removing yourself from that. There's still an element of stress involved. Oh, yeah, for sure. For but sure. it was a very, it was like an enjoyable stress, like a focused stress. There's, like, there is that stress, an enjoyable stress, until you crash or until you lose a quad, which is the worst feeling in the world. Well, no, there's, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure there's worse feelings. But for me, anyway, at that point in time, it was very bad. Lose a quad? What's that bit? No, lose lose a quad. You lose a lose a drone. Oh, okay, that's what you call it. Sorry, I'm quad. Just yeah, so we say quads. Quad, <laughs> we'll actually have a look at some of that footage for one of the crashes, Jake. If you wouldn't mind, uh, I'm not. I know, like, it's important that we reference this. All of oh, our yeah, titles yeah. for these shows. Okay, my one of my crashes. Great. Yeah. Oh, great. Let's go for the crash. Oh, this one. This was up in Wales. <laughs> this is at Rev's bike park. What well, I'm seeing there is some overexposure for the GoPro and stuff. That's it. Yeah, man. I had to account for that. Following the bikers. Yeah. It was all quite cool. Through the trees. I thought that was the crash there. Cool. There we go. Bonk. <laughs> of course, I didn't see the twig. There's so many thin branches and you can't see any analog feed. Okay. So this is the argument for digital. Yeah. We're talking That's- about the experience being one thing. Like if you're a hobbyist versus someone that wants to do this professionally, surely a hobbyist is more interested in what they're physically experiencing, like what they're mm-hmm. actually seeing, right? So that's got to be for me. Yeah, anyway, it, it. it can definitely, again, it depends on the budget, how much you want to spend, and how better of experience you want this. If you just want as a, as a hobby, you don't want it to go professional, and you want to spend, you, and you want to spend, you know, top tier, then yeah, do digital by all means. And you don't want to go long range, you just want to be close to you, then yeah, go digital. Absolutely. But if you're not looking for that and you want to be with the community, you want to keep locking, you want to keep building your quad, putting modules in it. There's a, you know, and it's just, it's really hard, man. There's a tons of different debates. Uh, it's all good, man. We're not looking for the answers today, man, at all. It's just kind of interesting to sort of have a conversation about it. Cause it's, yeah, so no, much, it's, it's really interesting. So much, so much like, I've learned in the past, you know, even 24 hours about this sort of stuff that just fascinates me. Yeah, me, me as well. But like, it's um, it's definitely a uh, a system which, over the next few months, people will be more. There's going to be a big interest in who's going to choose which system, and then probably the next year there'll be a big jump with the analog brands making an HD system. Interesting, because obviously DJI. Well, because- you know, at the end of the day, DJI made something great. 
they made an HD system, which into the FP world was non-existent and they made it, they did it. So now the, the brands in the analog world are going to have to compete with that and make a new technology, which is great. That's amazing. We want that. But it's kind of like, DJI is the Apple in the PC world, but yeah. analog is a PC, if that okay. makes sense. Kind of does. So, so Apple is very proprietary. It's yeah. closed source, whereas PC, it's not. And that's what analog is. And there's still a market for both, of course. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So it's very uh, circumstantial. Depends on the person. You reckon in this situation you'd have uh, you'd not you'd not crashed this one if you'd have had the digital ones? <laughs> uh, good point, actually. Mate, I think actually you're right. If I were to have digital in that in those types of woods, then yeah, I wouldn't have crashed. Interesting. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to shoot? What's my favorite thing to shoot? You know, I have not shot drifting cars yet. I really want to do that. I know you're going to I've been uh, trying to talk. No, I try and dissuade the conversation away from drifting cars because everyone wants to talk about it. I'm like, no one wants to talk about cars. Oh, but, man, I want to film them so bad. In FPV world, I can fully understand that. Yeah, it's... I guess there's something else about it as well. Like, having seen your stuff with the freestyle skiers, uh-huh. obviously it blows my mind that this person's doing a backflip and you're flying around their proximity. Yeah. I just, yeah, can't, I just cannot get my head around it, especially after trying it yesterday. It's knowing serious. full well there's so much to learn about it. i wouldn't want to go anywhere near people with it <laughs> you definitely have to say to them beforehand like is it okay i get close to you in the drone and they're like yeah it's fine do it go as close as you want you just can't hit them how do they feel about it though they're fine they they're in their zone they want to do their flips they want to do their tricks and i'm uh-huh. in my zone i suppose at least if you're chasing a drift car or a race car or something then um there's a, a roll cage and a helmet around them. Exactly. <laughs> is that some, you know, is that something that you, you know, have you got a, an avenue for that? Is there a way that you can get into, involved with that sort of stuff? Um, not at this moment in time. I haven't really got any. I only plans. know that because obviously like, you know, a bunch of racetracks certainly have been really stringent with us. With like regulations of drones and things. Yeah, there are yeah. lots of regs. So I actually live near a place called Brands Hatch. Um, I've been in talks with them, but they have got a ton of regulations with drones and the proximity to the car, the cars, the proximity to the audience. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a big talk about it, but it's definitely on the list because it's something new to them. You know, it's uh, it's a new angle. They're helping you out. Uh, (laughs) You know what I mean though? Like, are they being helpful with the conversation? Because it's one thing, the technology moving forward, but everyone has to help one another out. It's not as simple as just going, Oh, that's too dangerous we shouldn't be doing it you know that's yeah no no, they're they're helpful but i think um obviously there's just a few kinks to work out in terms of rigs with the whole area involved you know audience included the people behind the cars the people who do the fixing all that kind of stuff Hmm. anywhere you've gotten like is there like a dream list of places you want to shoot because one of the things that i found out about this yesterday was like it's one thing learning to do it but the one the other thing was like the challenge side of it but i realized like this also opens up a whole realm of possibilities in terms of like places you can shoot is there like mm, you yeah, yeah. places you want to go when you can uh, obviously <laughs> when i can uh, i really want to go to turkey slovenia and hawaii to shoot 
Um, what else? Oh, Namibia as well. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, only because of the sand dunes and the okay. uh, what's it called? All these shipwrecks. Okay. Mm. You got any plans? I mean, I feel like you're being coy now. <laughs> no plans yet. I'm just going to wait until I can go safely. <laughs> Have you started looking into it? Like, what's the deal? Obviously, we started seeing regulations coming out about filming safety and things. And obviously, we were able yeah. to do yesterday. But um, got- it's more like in terms of hospitality as well, because I know hotels aren't open. And I don't really know where I'm going to stay if I go out. I don't mind going tomorrow, but I just know there's nowhere to That's stay. That's what I'm saying. Have you started looking into any of these things yet? Uh, I started looking into Italy and the Dolomites. Right. That's looking good, which I should be going pretty soon. Okay, it's just a bit of a hit and miss with the hotels there and there right now. That client thing, or is that something you're doing off your own back? No, no, off my own back for now. That's another thing as well. It's like, how much work is there with this? Like, for me, it's comparatively new in terms of the industry side of things. But like, is there a market for it? Yeah, there's, it's definitely picking up. I mean, as we spoke yesterday, real estate is a big one right now. With FPV. Real estate. Real estate, yeah. Using it American will. stuff with me now. Houses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like just property as well. Property in general with FPV because it's it's so dynamic and also you can get it in one shot. You can get everything in one shot simultaneously and very dynamically. Oh, I saw um what did I see? The Mercedes thing. Um they did a factory tour, did they? That's it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Quite really recent, maybe a week or two ago, right? Uh-huh. I might be my passing passing of time being yeah, I remember that. There, but it was a couple of weeks ago, right? That they did it. like a that was the FPG, FPV drone, right? Uh huh. Yep. That's saying something though. If they're letting it fly around a museum, a museum, that's Mercedes, yeah, priceless vehicles. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, it's not like the less priceless than Mercedes than anyone else, but yeah. I mean, I'm sure there'll be regulations in there as well, but they figured it out and they did it, which is pretty cool. What's your ambitions with this sort of stuff? Did you like when you first started it? Was it always professional or? No, just- no, no. When I first started, I just thought, okay, let's just see if this would go. Because I had the Phantom, I flew that for two, three years. And at that point, I got a bit bored <laughs> and just thought, okay, let's try something else. And then at that point, when I was thinking I was getting bored, I saw Johnny's videos and Mr. Steel videos. And I, th- I thought, let's just do this. Let's buy a little drone kit. I think I got the Tyro 99 that cost 70 pounds uh, from a Chinese company. And it took me a month to build. Right. <laughs> so it was crazy. So it took me a month to build. And then when I tried to get it up in the air for the first time, it wouldn't go up. It would just grind the ground. It would flip over and just start grinding the ground. <laughs> it happened for two days straight. I didn't know what was up. So I asked my friend, what's up with this? I showed him a video of it. And he said, have you got the props the right around? and i i have no idea about props i just thought just slack a pair of props on and that's it it's fine i didn't realize that you have to have props on parallel diagonally i just had one prop in each four and that's why and then when i figured that out i got up in the air i had a good flight and then the second flight i did i lost it it's never found again it's somewhere around me right now (laughs) yeah that was the other side of things as well it's like i guess there's so much there's so much in this world of like trying to work out that like all the, the just the, like, the learning curve of it, like trying to work out how to do it and stuff. But the other thing uh-huh. is the landing. It's like landing when I want to land a conventional drone, I'm very lucky that I have a GPS drone. So I just exactly. go land. And it's like, are you happy you're in a safe zone to land? I was like, yes, land. How do you yeah. land an FPV drone? 
It's real hard, man. I mean, as as yesterday, I had to take control over you to land it, right? <laughs> yeah. I love that you threw that out there. I mean, we're we going to skate over that one. We were gonna, <laughs> everyone believed that I'd have a maiden voyage. Oh, it was a perfect flight. Crash. No, so I when my, when I first started flying, I it it was so hard to learn to land as well because in the simulator, I thought just crashing would be fine. I was so bad at the simulator; it took me hours. And then when I started to fly in real life, I crashed pretty hard the first few times when I tried to land. Bent definitely bent a few props. <laughs> yeah, crazy. yeah. I was pretty surprised when you were like, "Oh, um." I'm not very good at landing yet. <laughs> I was just like, what do you mean? You managed to get it on the ground without it destroying itself. Surely that's a plus. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely hit and miss with the drone because obviously when the camera angle is so high, you have to level it out to see where the ground is. And then obviously when you level it out, the drone goes forward. Right. So it's like a bit of a calculation. So you have to like, la- like level it out first and then kind of turn the power off or what? Yeah, because let's because the camera angle is that high, right? All right, gotcha. So if you're looking at your, when you're going to land, you want to see where to land and where the ground is in proximity to you. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be in parallel, you have to go forward a bit, stop, go forward a bit, stop. And obviously if you, if you misjudge that, you'll just go straight into whatever you're heading into. No, it sounds so complicated. I guess the simulator helps with this. It does thing, help. Right? Definitely helps, yeah. Spotting the landings and stuff. I mean, yeah, the yeah. funny thing though about that simulator is like, whilst it was very, very beneficial to make sure that my muscle memory was doing the right things, as we said, one controller is doing the acceleration, you know, acceleration. So like the physical speed of it, which then ultimately gives it lift. Mm-hmm. But then you've got the roll, pitch, and your your yeah yeah, yeah. Throttle, so, like, so yeah throttle and your on the left stick yeah pitch and roll on the right stick yeah and you've got to compensate between those things so that element was super helpful but then mm. beyond that it was like all right cool now it's it's still a computer game to me i'm still like not taking it particularly seriously yeah but like, hey, look, it was your first go oh, I mean, of course. I'm sure if sure if you were to get into it tunnel vision you'd get there in a yeah week. it's just that landing bit was like uh how do we even comprehend this? Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, here's it back. <laughs> it takes it takes time for sure. Mm. Where you know, for me, the reason why I wanted to bring this in again is because of the fact that it's like we've got we've had different versions of technology find their way into I want to say cinema worlds, you know, feature feature film world. Is this something that you think is going to be seen within that? Yeah. environment i think for sure in the next few years we'll see a rise in uh shots with fpv with cinema cameras definitely i mean like actually in film world like is there something that's holding that back or is it like is it already happening we don't even know about it um i mean we never know under nda but <laughs> i mean <laughs> I can't I say think... stuff like that because then i'm like oh is under non-disclosure. Someone's no, I mean, like, I know I'm not for sure right now. I'm sure other people are. Oh, you would say that, though. <laughs> no, okay. So from my personal view, uh-huh. there's not enough uh, t- There's not enough try and error in the market right now for pure cinema FPV. I think give it a few, like another year or two. Because as I said, the rise, the, I mean, the decline in GoPros and the rise in cinema films on the frames right now 
uh, is happening just now. And it's telling us what? That there's a demand for that food, exactly. right? There's a demand. Where's that demand coming from? Is it coming from clients? Is it coming from people that are like, I want to get my shots better? Like, where's that coming from? Like, it's, it's from both. It's, it's from both angles. It's from the, the, comp- the cinema companies. It's coming from pilots who also just want to better themselves. Mm-hmm. Like even myself, I'm, I'm flying GoPros and now I want to build a frame that carries a GH5. From your perspective, I presume, yeah, being visual, you know, you want to get the best images possible, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. GoPros just can't give all that. Yeah, I'm aware. Ah, we'll figure that out. See, it's like, it's definitely a, uh, it's an event which will happen soon. And I'm sure you'll see the, the footage of FPV cinema cameras coming out in the next few years for sure. Hmm. Well, from my perspective, I hope that you're at the forefront of that. Uh, even, oh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, honestly, you know, another the reality is I'm talking to you because you know was blown away by your footage, not just FPV footage. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show and have this conversation, people. By the way, just reminding me if you have any questions for either of us, then just chime away. And I understand that a lot of this is incredibly technical, certainly from my perspective. But I'm trying to break things down. Like, right, Louis, let's slow down a little bit. But we've like gone through a million different rafts of it. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I, I wish through a lot just because you know I I know all the complex bits about analog, but I have to simplify it for people who don't know FPV because it's yeah, like myself, mate. Yeah, it's it's a it's a challenge for me. I mean, you know, the take home for me is that that's a, a really positive thing because at the end of the day, it reminds us to take these things seriously. And the reality is, even the things I was talking about earlier gimbals and just drone shots in general all of this technology is amazing and wonderful that it's finding its way into a more accessible you know realm there's 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 ways we can go and get ourselves a handheld gimbal and suddenly we've got a steady cam shot but you know as we said earlier like needs to be motivated but it's a wonderful thing that this technology is finding its way in through because it gives people the ability to practice with these things where previously they weren't able to yeah. And I guess that's why, you know, I wanted to talk about FPV today and obviously have someone like yourself who's, I would say, leading the charge, you know. Oh, no. Mate, seriously, I regard you as highly as, you know, <laughs> likes of the Johnny FPVs and that of the world because Thank you. it's not simply just, you know, it's not just simply the, the, the skill set required, but it's, it's spotting a shot, having mm. the awareness to actually go, this is, there's a purpose to this. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. that's what's going to move this forward and get it taken seriously in, in feature film worlds. You know, I yeah. don't have to say take it seriously because the reality is it certainly is, as far as my mind's concerned. I'm, yeah, there's a, there's room for this style of shooting in all places. There is definitely room. You know, and I, I hope it happens. Yeah. In my head, it's like, all right, what's the application for these shots? Yeah. How do you think about it in that way? You know, that's, that's another, you know, really important question is like, do you think about it in terms of shots or is it just kind of like, a freestyle thing um it really depends on the location uh there's definitely times when you go to a location and you just play around for the first few times you so as i said you bring 20 batteries let's say to a, to a location yeah you use five of them as a kind of like a taster you get to know the place and then the next five or ten you make lines for your content that's so, kind of, like, have you got to remind yourself every time? Do you need to, like, is there a bit of, like, getting your eye in every time you turn the thing on? Or you, is it just kind of like, my, oh, my brain's in FPV mode now? Um, no, there's definitely, 
some adjusting to the location because every every location is different there's definitely yeah. places where you fly and there's an there's an angle that you want to get there's a gap you want to hit there's something you want to fly past extremely fast and you, you can't get all of them in one like in the first shot so you have to practice each goal and then yeah. when you get used to the location you make the shot all in one yeah because i think that's again then the next bit that fascinates me is where that application is obviously we talk technologically about it we can talk mm -hmm. about the fact that we get manual control over you know bigger and better cameras and we start taking bigger yeah. payloads but certainly from the next side of things it's like okay cool well then if i'm going to direct you that's one thing we foolishly didn't try yesterday what mm -hmm. i should have done it's been like right louis i want to see this this you know that's my star and end frame how hard is that you know that's it's not only there's a, there's a skill set within that but that's one of the things that attracted me to your filming it certainly had that quality to it it was you know you'd thought about what you were filming and subsequently delivered it so mm -hmm. all right cool i'm getting the if it's the wide establisher and then the tight close-up and it's dynamic and i'm yeah. i'm just in yeah, like, yeah it's not jarring i'm not being removed from the shot where so many things it might i of course you know again technically you think of something and the most jarring thing i can see is an auto exposure or a white yeah, balance yeah. change or something like that. Those are the things that are immediately removing me from the experience. Mm -hmm. But certainly when I get down to it next, it's like, okay, does the shot work? Yeah. And that's why I'm like, ah, oh, that Louis stuff. It's like, yeah, cool. It's just got it. The eye is happening and it's making sense and it's following that bit. Yeah. But I guess if I'm on a set and there's different pressures and regards, mm -hmm. I've got, uh, you know, what's your working practices? Are you in that position where, You've got to go, right, actually, Louis, I need you to get the shot first time. Or do you need to tell me, <laughs> actually, you know what, I need a rehearsal. Yeah, that's it. So more often than not, when you get the shot, the perfect shot, there's 10, there's 10 before that are crap. So it's, uh, it's definitely hit and miss. There is the rare chance that it's a one, it's a hole in one. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not that often. Okay, so we're seeing this is like, this is your next step is just honing it and increasing the success rate, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, it's the locations are so different all the time. It's hard to do it all in one, you know? We're starting to understand what a talent Johnny has now, right? <laughs> but then again, I mean, Johnny, how many times do we know he's done a flight all in one? You know, like... I don't, I don't know. know. I've seen him at Formula Drift in America, though, and I see him go next to the cars and... He might have been there the day before, though, to be fair. I don't know. He That's might have true. been like... Yeah, but then again, he has flown cars a lot. Like that's, that's his specialty, I think, isn't it? I guess. I suppose then it's variables, isn't it? Like if you understand what you're working with, you're talking about a new location. Yeah. You know, it's not only the actual the physical structure. But if you're dealing with, uh, you know, a racetrack and a car, well, that car is only going to do one of a number of things. Once mm -hmm. you've learned those variables, I guess... It's kind of dialed in. Whereas if you're going to a location, I mean, again, we cited one yesterday. You were mm -hmm. flying in and out of like, how big was the gap? Like, his feet. Yeah, it was like a meter. Yeah, like yeah. At, <laughs> at what point does the uh, the physical drone size like impact? Like, it's like that's as far as you can go in. It's like <laughs> yeah, that's because I went there before, so I knew the rounds and I I knew what to do. Whereas I doubt if that was my first time, like it would, I would have maybe done it, but it would have been hard. It, I may, I may have crashed. Okay. So I'm starting to get there. I'm starting to understand like, you know, that's how you start to implement this in a cinematic workflow where you've got a shot list is rehearsal. 
Yeah, for sure. And that's also the thing, like the thing with digital and analog is you can have monitors for each to give to the director. You can have a separate monitor, which you could then look into their feed. I mean, they could look into your feed of the goggles, which a digital you can have. Obviously, it would be better for the director if it was HD. You can still have it with analog. Yeah, and that's, we're starting to get into it now. I got, I'm now out of the brain of like enamored and <laughs> enthusiastic with MPV. And now I'm like, right, okay. Now we need to think about how this actually works practically. But that makes perfect sense. Of course, not only does the analog then have different drawbacks, because obviously as a director, if I'm looking through that monitor, mm-hmm. I want to see what's in the frame. Exactly. I don't want to just see like a broken up signal necessarily. I want to see, see right, what is in my frame? What's out of my frame? Because we don't want to get to the edit and be like, oh, well, there's a person there. Yeah. <laughs> or there's yeah. like, a you know, an extra or a prop or something in the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So digital in that sense, it would win because obviously you'd get the most clear image and you'd see what's what and what's where. It's so interesting. So many different elements to it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But I mean, you know, as I said, DJI is paving the way for HD and hopefully over the next few months or years, the analog brands will make an HD system which isn't closed source. What's the DJI, uh, the top stuff right now? I, I see they got some goggles. What is it? So they, have the, they have the goggles and they have the uh, air unit, which you then put into the drone. That's the whole system. I think that's right now 300, no, not 300, 650 pounds, 700 pounds for the and goggles. That's what, sorry, that's like a package, is it? So yeah, the package of the, the headset, the, the air unit, which you put into the drone and also the controller. Air unit that you put into the drone? What does that mean, sorry? So the air unit is the actual HD system itself. It's like... Uh, oh, the transmitter. The transmitter, yeah, that's it. That, that's the DJI system. I'm understanding. I'm that's what makes the HD clear. Right, different. okay. So that's like... Okay. I'm starting to understand where we're going with this now. But it, I mean, obviously, you know, inherently, DJI system will do more work because it's a cleaner image, it's heavier, it's, it's bigger. So you have to bear in mind that with a bigger system, you have to have a different drone. You can't, you can't just slap a, a DJI HD system onto this drone because it's not made for it. It's too big. So then the next question comes in, do we have to build a new frame? New brands will come up with building the same frame. But it's good to know that there's, uh, you know, there's a market for this. So we are starting to see that development. Yeah, for sure. For sure. These things are trickling down. You know, there's, there's money going into it, which means that these things are being developed. So obviously the community is incredible as we've, you know, as we've heard so far, mm-hmm. which means these things are getting picked up. And it's, yeah, it's definitely, it's amazing. And oh, it's good. Like DJI is, is done well to make this. It definitely has. I'm giving credit to them, but it definitely has its limitations. I don't know what their intentions are with this because actually right now, DJI have a discount on their whole FPV system. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their intentions are if they want to try and lock into this FPV world. Well, like I said, I'm picking my way through this mentally and going like, what are the limitations? What are the things that hold it back from different things? And so far we've you know discovered it's technologically, it's like physical weight, battery life, all these things. But then ultimately it's also regulations. You know, At a certain point in time, I mean, you said that your ops manual didn't even have uh, proper guidelines to do with FPV. You didn't learn that on your training, right? No, we didn't. No, no, no. So, you know. yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a it's a weird thing. But just to go back with the digital is that a con of why digital isn't great is because it's closed source and it's proprietary, which means if the country doesn't want the power output of that drone to be above twenty five milliwatts, that means that the signal of the video 
is 25 megawatts, which is tiny. It's like minuscule, which means you'd only get 200 meters out and you'll lose video signal. Right. Okay. And obviously so if, in the world, we understand it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if the country were to lock its milliwatt amperage of 25, then DJI would have to be 25 forever and you'd only get 200 meters out. That's that it. Was... You can never go above. Whereas analog, you can go up to 800 milliwatts. You can go up to one milliwatt. I mean, one, one watt. I'm not too sure. And it, it could go on for miles. Right. So that's the thing. There's so many different parts of the industry and regulation world that are like actually keeping this thing you know, locked up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking in terms of production. You know, if like, you're taking on a pro shoot, you've got to have insurance. So obviously that person, I mean, we talked to, we've got Bryn and Andy Harris on previous episodes where we talk about like the production limitations. <laughs> like a producer then has to evaluate a risk assessment in coordination with health and safety supervisor mm-hmm. to making sure these things work. You know, it's one thing you actually have in the skill set and all that sort of stuff. But the reality is you've got to have, you know, you know, you've got to submit your ops manual, which yeah. says I'm qualified to fly this thing, payload and style of drone as well. Uh-huh. So like, obviously positive that the likes of Brands Hatcher looking to help you out and understand how they can utilize yourself and your services. Not only so you can learn and fly next to cars and stuff, but certainly so that they can open their doors up for film shoots where mm-hmm. FPV can actually be brought onto the set. Yeah, exactly. It's it, There's definitely uh, applications out there that could be used very wisely. And there's more applications that could be used that people don't know about. Oh, yeah. We talked about a secret service earlier. I'm pretty sure, <laughs> pretty sure that's where all this technology is really trickling down from. Oh, uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> oh, good man. Good man. Well... I'd, I'll open a, I'll open up to Q&A again one more time before we uh, close this out with Lou today. It's been an absolute great sport. But if anyone's got any questions for us before we close this out, then do chime in, guys, because the reality is we're hopefully here to bring you guys some information and, and be here to you know serve you guys to a certain degree. You know, if you've got questions about whatever we're talking about, then feel free to get involved because you know, it's one thing us having a conversation about things, but we're certainly only talking about things we're interested in. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get you the next FPV pilot, Josh. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I tell you seriously, like I'm. It's one of those things. I, it re- I really was like blown away by the experience. I keep saying that, but it really that is the right explanation. That is the right adjective. You know, it's just like I couldn't get over that immersive experience. But it's mm-hmm. real. It's yeah. not like playing a video game. I don't, you know, I don't care for video games too much because of that. I know I certainly like the idea of video games, but I suck at them too. <laughs> So like I understand it. If I'm gonna get good at probably me with everything, if I'm honest with you. If I want to do something, I've got to be good at it. Or I've yeah. got to at least see the learning curve within it. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, jumping on, oh man, this is embarrassing. I jumped on Call of Duty like years ago with my little there brother. And he's like, give it a go. And seriously, dead. Instantly. Respawn. Dead. Straight well, away. Your, your like, it's not fun. Good. This is not <laughs> enjoyable for me. <laughs> I'm not getting better. Whereas jumping on with the FPV stuff and it's like goggles. And then suddenly it is immersive mm, and it's rewarding. Yeah. It's like, I liken it to action sports. And I liken it to extreme sports in that regard. Mm-hmm. It felt like I was doing something because it's real. Yeah. This drone is flying around. I'm in control of where it lands up and there's consequences. Like there's real world consequences attached to it. So it's just yeah. like, uh-huh. But That's honestly, crazy, before yeah. yesterday, I like the idea of it, but I probably wouldn't have been... I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't have my Amazon wish list or whatever with little bits of parts. 
I didn't, I wasn't calling up CVP going, can I have that DJI situation? <laughs> can I have that like, you know, that ready to go kit? I wasn't looking at different parts, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, after yesterday, obviously the conversation is like, well, how much is that DJI little package to put together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, like, it rolls up. You know, <laughs> leaning forward on my chair, listening. Yeah, it's, like, um, you know, it's definitely a big investment and it's something that you uh, should try and research before you jump or ship. Which is why it's like, as a beginner, and I would recommend you get a simulator and a controller first. And then mm. if it's something that's not for you, you sell it, you sell the but, controller. That's weird though, because honestly, if I'd have had the simulator, I wouldn't have done it. If I'd have just jumped on the simulator first, I'd have been like, I can't, I'm interested. Like one of our junior editors here, he works, you know, and he does the simulator. And he's like, you want to go? I wasn't interested. Jumping on it wasn't, you know, couldn't quite connect the dots. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the same with the driving side of it. When I drive, drive on the driving simulator, I understand the premise and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Driving slightly differently because you've got a steering wheel and you've got a gearbox, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas yeah. with that, it was like, I'm just in control of something that's in a virtual environment. At least with the driving, like on a racing, you know, racing sim, uh-huh. it was a bit easier for me to connect the dots. Whereas on the flying sim, FPV sim, without the physical immersive experience, I guess it was that one step removed. Gotcha. Yeah. So it was probably more to do with the consequences. I found it enjoyable. So do you reckon that if you had not done this simulator and you'd have just literally gone all in with the maiden voyage, do you reckon you would have had a, a more crazy experience? Uh, I definitely needed the simulator yeah, for sure because I kept doing the wrong thing. I kept, I was like, right, it wants to go forwards or sorry, the angle's too different. So I'll pitch it differently, mm. but my, I would naturally do the opposite on the on the right stick and it kept doing the wrong thing on the simulator yeah that was only when i had trained that you know it was not train trained but like only done 10 minutes of that i was like wrong 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 yeah <laughs> and then it was like okay i just need to do that opposite and then the rest of the things are slow enough that i can figure it out because it was those small inputs that you mentioned and that advice was you know definitely invaluable you know without Seriously, without you being there, I would have been, I'd have just freaked out. I'd never bothered. <laughs> you did it, man. You did it. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I appreciate it. It certainly means a lot to me, Larry. Look, man, you've been a great guest today. And I appreciate it. Hopefully the audience have uh, managed to pick through the technical stuff with the uh, stuff that I've done my best. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry if it was too complicated. Oh, don't be silly. I mean, to, you know, to twist your arms and make you, you know, put your money where your mouth is, if Someone is going to go and get into it right now. They've got your simulator. What's the first thing they get? Is it best to start with digital because that's where it's going? Or is it best to start with an analog thing and then work their way up? Just, you know, mm, it's. Uh, what's it's, your recommendation? I would say personally, go analog for now. Right. Okay. And buy mid range to premium range because you know you're going to get reliable parts. Right. You know you're going to get good parts which can withhold a crash because you will crash without a doubt. And you know that the community will stand behind you if you do have a problem that you can't fix. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the way to go because then, as I said, as DJI is paving the way, the analog brands, they will bring out an HD system. I mean, a few months ago, the Fat Shark, the main goggle brand, 
yeah. which, is, which is called Fat Shark. They brought out an HD system called Bite Frost. And it's not on par with DJI. It's not like amazing, but at least they tried. And yeah. they're now revising it again. They're like taking because they're taking compliments I and mean, they're taking constructive criticism from the community to yeah, make yeah, yeah. version two. They got they got an R and D department in front of them. Listen to them, of course, makes perfect sense, right? Exactly, exactly. Huh. I still can't get over the fact that my brain still wants to get like the easiest thing. Like the, from my perspective, it's just like out of the box, get up and go. Yeah. Everything you showed me yesterday was amazing, but as soon as I start, it, this is just me, you know. Yeah. It's like when it comes to cameras, codecs, tech, blah, blah, blah. I'm like all in. I'm obsessive about it. But when it came to that, I was like, this is so far away from where my brain is. <laughs> like, it would just need to be like broken down into a very, very easy to follow kind of. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's really, uh, it's quite cool as well because when you know how difficult it is and you start from A, you now, let's say you've progressed a few months and you've now done a great line, it's amazing to look back at how far you've come especially if you've built a drone yourself without buying a ready-to-fly one i can see that being very satisfying yeah. i'm definitely saying that when it comes down to the tricks you're doing of flying close proximity to objects and things like again at the grain uh, grain tower yesterday it was like all right this is like an aperture of a few feet and you're flying yeah. that's that's pretty far away from where i'm at i'm pretty i'm gonna be precious about my first drone let's call it for now. yeah <laughs> man <laughs> well but, i mean i'm, yeah, I'm a year we'll and a half i'm a year and a half two years into it now so we'll see we'll see i might just give you a call and hassle you about going to film we might have you back on at some point we'll see <laughs> <laughs> but louis mate thank you very much seriously for uh for giving us your time saying give us the audience your time as well no worries um, man for those that are listening thank you very much for tuning in cvp thank you very much for having us it's an absolute pleasure to have this platform uh, to be able to you know communicate with an audience um we've got loads of things going on in the in the not too distant future and um, we're continuing the theme of opening up our conversation to different parts of the film industry and that might be just different roles on set you know we've had people like danny winship who's a prop storeman on guy Ritchie's movies and they had wonderful stories to tell and we've already had a uh, senior colorist at um at envy jack tarney talking to us about very technical stuff as well so we kind of are trying to get across the board with these types of guests. So if anyone's got suggestions of anything they want to hear or see, feel free to get in touch with CVP as well, because we're all ears, you know. We're here for you guys at the end of the day. So it'd be great to, uh, great to bring, us, uh, bring on some guests that you guys want to hear from. But I've got to, I've got to bring on a director of photography next, I think, because we're just, we've been slacking there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, mate, thank you again, Louis. No, I really thank you. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, thank you again. And uh, same time next week, 4 p.m. on CVP's YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be on audio platforms very soon as well. I can't tell you when, but very, very soon. Check out CVP's Instagram and YouTube and stuff, social media platforms, and uh, information will be with you guys real soon. Anyway, that's enough from us. Louis, pleasure. Thank you very thank much. Thank you very much. Take care, guys. Until next time. It seems like I'm getting better at trying these shows. Anyway. We have Tyler Roth, as I said previously, from Company 3 in the bank. It's official. I'm especially excited about this one, as he's the busiest guy ever. And with the time difference, it's been super hard to actually pin him down and get him on the show. So we managed to get that one sorted, and it's coming up real soon. Next up, Anya Stalinska. So she recognised a fantastic story in Yola, the central character in the Polish feature documentary Lessons of Love. 
and pursued it all the way to getting funding and support from HBO Europe. So she lets us in on what that experience was like. So if you're interested in getting your own films out there, you never know what insight you might find there. For me, it was personally fascinating to hear about these different processes. I'm a documentary filmmaker as much as a feature filmmaker as myself. So it's always good to know that there's these little pockets of resistance to people that are really getting to make their projects and put them out in the world. And last but not least, we've got BBC's Blue Planet underwater cinematographer, Roger Horrocks, on the show very soon as well. So that's super exciting. We had a great chat with him. Anyway, enough of me. Go and do something with your day. Stop listening to me. Go. Go on. Live your life. Thank you.